Hello, Bulls fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. This podcast is being brought to you by Untucker.com and Manscaped today. More on that a little bit later on, but thank you for joining me on this episode of the show, one in which we sit back and wonder what the hell has happened to this Bulls season. We've only just started the season, but here to ponder the state of the Bulls after seven games is one of the forefathers of the Chicago's cover band scene in the mid-60s. But he also happens to be one of the most optimistic Bulls fans I know. He's C Red Fred, otherwise known as Fred Pfeiffer. Fred, thank you for joining me, mate. How are you? Oh, brother, I've been better. I've been better. <laughs> it feels like I got hit. You know, I've been riding the big red bus. It feels like I got out for a minute to check a headlight and it and rolled right over me. I'm just uh, <laughs> shocked at how bad we've been for the first eight games, you know. And I, 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 not in a million years did I expect this, and I, I've kind of had it. I'm sick of the excuses. I'm sick of the, you know, Jim Boylan's speak is, is very endearing when things are going well. And, you know, I love the spirit talk, but when you're two and six uh, or two and five, you kind of get a little nauseous hearing it. So I've had it. There's nothing, there's no good, nothing good to talk about. There's no spirit with this team. If there is, it's in the shape of a diaper filled with, uh, you know, Kalumkis. So I'm talking. <laughs> you know what Kalumkis are? It's the worst smelling dish of all time. I don't know if you ever have you ever had one. No, I've never had one. I thought it was maybe uh, an analogy for something else, but um, yeah. (laughs) Kalumkis are. I think it's a Polish or German dish uh, made out of cabbage and meat. Uh, My (laughs) so it's just I can't recommend avoiding it enough. Oh, well, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'll, I'll stay away from it. But uh, thank you for that valued feedback up front. But I, I mentioned off the top there that you are one of my, the most optimistic, if not the most optimistic Bulls fans I know. And that is why I love talking to you. But I'm not going to lie. I wanted to get you on today because <laughs> I wanted to see you go off the hinges. And I was, I wanted to get, I wanted to get you on actually after the Knicks game. That was probably prime when I was going to get C Red Fred at his absolute worst. But I think right now, given that the Bulls are, Two and five, things have gone not the way anyone expected this to go. I think it's fair to say, even, you know, from the realists, from the, the pessimists, from the most optimistic fans like yourself, this has not gone to plans at all. For us fans, but probably the team itself. So nothing has gone to plan. The Bulls sit at two and five after dropping this game to the Indiana Pacers, who are down three starters. This was always a concern for me that the Bulls were going to play down to their their competition, so to speak. They got away with the win against the Pistons the other night, who were also down a couple starters. The Pist- uh, the, the Pacers were down a few starters here, and the Bulls just didn't look like they had any energy, any spirit, if we want to use that word, to come out here and compete for this game. And this season has just been derailed at this point. We've, we've, we talked about for this season or this op- the opening to this season being the you know a, a bunch of cupcake games if we want to refer to it as that in terms of the schedule a lot of soft games where the bulls could really come out here and maybe post a a 4 and 3 maybe even a 5 and 2 record after 7 games but here we are sitting at 2 and 5 after 7 games the exact same record the team had under Fred Hoiberg last season Exact same moment in time, we were 2-5 and five last season, which isn't great to think considering uh, the Bulls at that point were hampered with a bunch of injuries. Nothing was going right. The team is finally healthy now, supposedly, but uh, we're 2-5. and five. What, what the hell should we be making about this, Fred? Well, I think today's loss was especially just, just maddening and, and it should cause – it should garner outrage across the fan base because, you know, you're not playing a back-to-back – you have plenty of time to look and see, hey, you know, if we win tonight and we, we, we put our foot on their throat, we're a playoff team. 
you know, we're, we're at seven or eight seed. Everything that C-Red Fred's been talking about will come to fruition, despite all the joke of the play that we've had for the first, you know, six games. You had plenty of time to, to contemplate this. You had plenty of time to know the Pacers were missing three starters. And you're almost perfectly healthy, and you come out like that. The starters come out, get their rear end kicked. So, you know, in fairness, I didn't get to watch. Unfortunately, I was at a wake, which, you know, just caused even further anger. I'm, I'm sad enough at a wake of a, a good friend's uncle. And then I, I checked my phone, and I, I was just outraged. I could not believe that the team would come out like that. And I think it's all epitomized with Otto Porter Jr. He finally breaks out of this horrific slump in the last, you know, the last game in the win against Detroit has a fantastic game. He goes one of 10 today, one of stinking 10. Like, what the hell is going on? It's so, it's, it's outrageous that this team who, who we've been told is, is ready for the playoffs. We've been told, we've been sold, hey, we got two young superstars in the making and Levine and Markinen. Everything's on the up and up. We got Otto Porter Jr. He's the, he's the glue guy. He's the guy that's going to bring all these disparate parts together into a cohesive, you know, Leviathan. And I bought in, man. I was drinking the Kool-Aid 100%. And they look great in the preseason. And they start out the season like this. It's disgusting. Absolutely stinking disgusting. And here's another one, Jim. We've been out-rebounded for six straight games. You cannot win in the NBA if you shoot as bad as this stinking team has for the last six games. And you and what's your answer to that? You do absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. He's still playing Ryan A, I can't get a rebound, 20 minutes a game. I love the story. I know it's great. And I know you you tear up every time you think about it. I, I, he's a great kid. We all love him. We love the hard work. He's not a three. He's not a three. He's played the last 40 minutes. He's got one stinking rebound. Why, in God's name, is Denzel Valentine, who's one of the best rebounders on the team for his position, b- being relegated to, to, to dressing up status today? It's an outrage, an absolute outrage. Why didn't Hutchinson play? Was there any reason why? I didn't get to see the game until the last five minutes. Why was he not in the game today? I don't know. He was available. He was available. I don't know why he didn't play. I guess because he's he's missed most of the off season. Uh, maybe oh. they're just going to bring him along slowly. I don't know what the reasoning was. I haven't seen anything. We're recording this after the game, straight after the game, not that that far removed from the game. So I haven't seen any news as to why he wasn't in the rotation. But yeah, he beat him play. I mean, I, you can't win rebounding like that. And his answer is to do nothing. Let's just keep on going with Cornette. This jackass. I don't care if he was three or four today. I don't care if he had a decent game. He has sucked in, in the vast majority of quarters. Five out of seven games, he's been terrible, and he's still playing. Are there any ramifications? None. None. Valentine has a terrible preseason. What are the ramifications? We'll never, he'll never see the light of day again. Yet these clowns have seven, five to six bad games in the regular season, games that actually count. What are the ramifications? What are the results of that? Nothing. Nothing. Let's just keep on going at it. Let's just lower our heads and keep on running into a brick wall. It's so stupid, it's beyond belief. If I, 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 I'm just, whew, all right. What were we talking about? I almost blacked out there. I got so angry. Another, another thing I got to tell you, another thing, I love Zach Levine. Yeah, that's great. I bought in. Everything's great. He's, he's all angry about his defense. How many sticking times do we have to watch that guy lose his man on the, on the weak side, off ball? He's spending all this time with Borland. What are they watching? What are they watching? Romper room? What are they watching? I want to, imagination movers? Nickelodeon, they're not watching basketball because we, I coach fifth graders. 
If, if, if I saw a kid consistently lose his man on the weak side and not pay attention, lose sight of his man, he'd be out of the game. He's done it almost every stinking game this year. It keeps on happening. It's not getting better. It's, I don't know what they're doing with him. But Levine, five out of seven games, he's, having net, he's had a negative plus minus. If he really wants to be that all-star, you have to take this team, pull him up, and pull him out of the gutter, and, and fly. And he's not flying. It's, it's, it's a disgrace what he's done on a defensive end. He's just as bad as he ever was. It makes me sick. Marketing, I don't know what the heck is going. How about hit an open jumper, Laurie? How about hit an open jumper? Let's stop talking about the environment for five minutes, and let's talk about hitting the, uh, an open jumper. I'm all on board. Everything else you're doing outside of basketball, that's all great. But guess what? Unless you hit open jumpers, you're never going to achieve anything. He's still missing wide open threes, and I can't take it anymore. Mark, I'm done talking. I got to calm down. <laughs> well, I, I didn't want to interrupt because that was that was perfect for him. And I think you encapsulated pretty much everything that – well, the entire sentiment that the fan base is feeling right now from every player down. I mean, there really is only one good story with the Bulls at this point, and that's probably Wendell Carter Jr. who had another double-double yes. in this game, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 90% from the field. Last four games, he's been the best ball on the court by far. He's the only one that's really showing up consistently. The only Amen. one who's talking but putting his uh, words into action. He's the only one's currently doing that. The other's hot and cold. One game, you'll get a good game from Zach Levine. The next game, he'll go disappearing. We mentioned, or you mentioned there, his bad defense. We've seen that sort of rear its head, unfortunately. But he's not alone, Zach Levine. There's a whole bunch of, well, basically everyone on this team outside of Wendell Carter right now is not performing. So, yeah, I, I let you go there, Fred, because one, I think. That was amusing to me. I'll put I'll put that up front. But Thanks. I think, like I said, you you encapsulated how this fan base is feeling right now. And like I said from the top, you're the most optimistic fan among the the Bulls fan base. And if you are feeling like this, then how the hell are the rest of us meant to be feeling or are feeling? And I think it's completely justified because, like I said, we thought that this team realistically could be at least be four and three, if not five and two. Maybe six and one even. Who knows? This the schedule that they have had has been the easiest schedule through seven games in the NBA. But they're two and five. Like I said, under that dilemma of a of a start to the season last year under Hoiberg, the team was two and five. They didn't have no. They didn't have anywhere near the talent that this team currently has. There's, there is some injuries looming with this team. Otto Porter rolled his ankle towards the back end of this game, but that doesn't even explain his poor play prior to that. There are some reports going around online that maybe Larry Markin is dealing with a back issue. That's only one source suggesting as much. It's not a bull source. But beyond that excuse, there really are none. This Bulls team has just been absolutely deplorable to start this season. And if we think about it, Fred, I mean, they were lucky to beat Memphis. They were lucky to beat Detroit. I don't think that would be 0-7 to start this season. They, they've obviously registered their two wins, but even in their wins, they haven't been impressive either. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily say they were lucky to beat Memphis. I thought that was a good win. I, and, and, and I felt like they should have beat Charlotte. You're up 10 points in the last quarter, and, you know, Levine gets no criticism for that game. He lost us that game. He was he, that, His decision-making in the last quarter of that game was, was, was an abomination. And, you know, Dunn got a lot of the heat. He threw the ball to Dunn with like three seconds left on the clock. His decision-making has been just atrocious. I don't care what anybody says. I love Zach Levine. I think he's an extremely talented player. His defense has been horrific, just as bad as it's ever been. And he's the key, he's the key guy. 
Laurie and him are the two guys that need to take a step back. And if anything, Levine has taken us one step back and Laurie's taken 10. Laurie was one for four again tonight from three. I don't know what's up with this guy. I, I've, I've always maintained I felt this guy has a top 10 talent. But the whole key to his game is you got to hit the three at a rate better than 36%, that which, you know, which was previously his career. The thing that out of his game that's really disappointed me so far up to this point has been his three-point shooting. I thought it would be a little bit better. This season, I mean, this is a joke. Like, he's at the point now at game seven where, was he shooting 20% from three? Right in there. It's in the 20s. Like, you can't keep on going on like this. Like, I understand Jim putting that and Thad Young at the end of the, the close of the game. I honestly did because you can't have Laurie. Mar- he's not good enough defensively. I think he's been pretty bad defensively, too. He's taking a step back. It's such a mess that – but tonight, I really felt like tonight was the, the, the kicker because you really had a chance to right the ship, and I just – you had Justin Holiday. You're playing against freaking Justin Holiday, who, who did his part. He sucked, and he still blew it. You know, so I, it, it's just so disheartening. And these answers from Jim are a joke. Let's just start with Wendell Carter Jr. Like you said there, he's, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's the one bright spot. It's, it's clear to anyone with an IQ above 50. Every time he leaves the court, the defense falls off a cliff. I don't know. Maybe you better try someone else to it, interior defense is so much more important in, than a perimeter defense. And he keeps on going with Cornette, Luke Cornette. Luke Cornette is a joke defensively. Daniel Gafford in the preseason showed me a lot on that end. Why is he just out of the picture? Is there something going on that we don't know about? Or is it just that he wants to justify the signing of Lou Cornette for his bosses? Because Lou Cornette shouldn't be playing. He doesn't, he hasn't, he hasn't done anything in this first week to deserve to be playing, especially on a defensive end. It's bad enough. He can't even hit threes, which is his only job. Why is Daniel Gafford not playing? It's, it's insane to me. And like I said, I've never seen an organization like the Chicago Bulls. They did it last year with, with, with uh, Parker, and they did this year with Valentine. And you have a bad preseason, and you're immediately thrown in the dungeon, and you have guys consistently putting up bad game after bad game, and there's no ramifications for regular season, regular season games. Kobe White even has just looked terrible in the last three games. And and that's my biggest nightmare about Kobe, which I was worried about, was the shooting. And it's been atrocious the last three games. I don't even know what to say. Every guy in this team has been a joke, especially the last three games outside of Wendell Carter Jr. You're absolutely right. And he, what's his answer to it? Nothing. Let's just close it. You, you just keep on running our head into the wall. It's a joke. It's an absolute stinking joke. I think that's all fair, Fred. I think that's all fair. I've got some thoughts. I'm going to throw them at you. But before I do, let me tell the listeners about this week's sponsors. First up, let me tell you about Untuck It. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter what his size. So he looks casual and sharp. I don't know about you guys, but I do most of my shopping online these days, and that always comes with risks, but you don't have that risk at all with Untucket, because every time I have purchased using Untucket, I've had no issues at all with sizing, with fit, none of that. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untucket style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, 
and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. Best of all, their website is super easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at the checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off. Let me also tell you about Manscaped. Support for Blue Eye comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Now, if you're anything like me, we all know protecting our family jewels when it comes to manscaping downstairs is of utmost importance. Using the wrong blade or the wrong tool for the job can leave you in a drastic state. Trust me when I say that, folks. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And as we all know, you shouldn't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BLUEWIRE. All right, back to the show now, Fred. Uh, I, I don't know about you, and I can sense your frustration is aimed at guys like Archie Diacono, Cornette, even Larry and Levine, as you sort of articulated. But to me, I think this all starts with Jim Boylan and... I don't want to come off as cliche because I'm assuming most Bulls podcasts out there, the 75,000 Bulls podcasts that exist now, I think most are going to be taking aim at Jim Boylan. And I don't want to come off as cliche. I don't want to come off as reactionary being saying the exact same thing. But at the same time, he is literally the person to be blaming at this point in time, given that the team just isn't functioning on either side of the ball. They're the 23rd on offense, the 18th on defense, the 30th in defensive rebounding. He can talk about the will of the players wanting to get out there and play defense and rebound and all those sorts of things, but he's in charge in terms of getting this team motivated and getting them out of there and get them out there and sort of be playing the way that he wants them to be playing. But this all starts with Jim Boylan and it starts with his decision-making, his rotations and all of that. So, I want to throw that topic to you because I have my thoughts. I know you've gone in hard on Luke Cornett and I'm not going to, I don't want to come off here and defend Cornett on his play entirely because he has not, he has been bad to start the season, but I think Boylan is putting him in positions to not succeed. I think he's doing the same with Larry Market and you can argue he's doing the same for a lot of other players, but I want to start with your thoughts on Jim Boylan's decision making across the board. Well, let me just start by countering. I do agree there's a problem with Jim. Uh, I still would argue that out of the long litany of issues we've had, the number one issue is that our three or four best three-point shooters are just shooting abysmal, uh, an abysmal percentage. Starts with Markinen is at 25%. Cornette's at 20. We got Otto Porter Jr. up to 32. I'm not even sure if these stats are, uh, are include tonight's game. I don't know. Kobe White's at 28%. Uh, you know, Wendell Carter's at 16. Dunn still hasn't made one all year. Sadoransky's up to 38.5 after a good game, but he hasn't been consistent at all from three. 
that's to me where it starts and ends. Like if they hit their threes at a 34, 35%, I think they're still last in the league. They're either 28, 29, 30 in three-point percentage. You win several of those games. If you make three or four more per game, you win those games, no matter how dumb Jim has been. And to me, they've had so many good looks. All those guys have had wide-open looks that they're consistently missing. That's, to me, where it starts and ends is with their wide-open three-point shooting that they're missing. The game is you got to make those, and they're not. Let let me interrupt you there for a moment because – even if they are making those threes, and I, I totally agree with you, if they were to be hitting a three at their normal rate, even their average rate, maybe even below their average rate, they would still be winning some of these games, particularly the Hornets game, the Cavs game, maybe even that Knicks game. Maybe the Bulls would Absolutely. be four and three at this point if they were shooting at a more appropriate rate, let's say. But would that not be covering up some of the broader underlying issues that sort of exist with this team right now in terms of its decision-making process? Well, I, I feel that, the other issue is number two, and this is where Jim absolutely is as is, is at fault is on a defensive end. Number one, he's as as Steph uh, Steph No pointed out perfectly, and you've been on this too. The way they're guarding the pick and roll has just has just been a joke. They're they're acting yeah. like they're playing against Steph Curry on every pick and roll, and are and are double teaming the, the that man, leaving the middle wide open. It's very simple. It's a very simple game. They attack the paint and then they kick it out to the three point shooter in the corner and they're hitting it and they're getting destroyed by that. Whether it's against Marvin Williams, whether it's against the Knicks, it's, it's happened over and over and over again. There's no, there's no, I'm a huge fan of the way the Warriors play defense. If you have the right personnel, that's the thing that bothers me so much is the Bulls have the personnel to switch. You don't have to double team every pick and roll. The, 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 the man coming off the pick, you can just switch. You have that's that's why we have an advantage. We have six, seven, Sadoransky, Otto Porter Jr. All these guys. You can just switch. You don't have to d- play every pick and roll that way. Uh, it's it's maddening how they're playing defensively. But number two, you're absolutely right. This is again where Jim's at fault. When you're getting beat defensively, you got to go with your best defensive players. And Daniel Gafford is significantly better defensively than Luke Cornett. I don't know what he did. I don't know why he's not playing uh, tonight. Hutch is one of your best perimeter defenders. He doesn't play. Rebounding is part of defense. Rebounding ends a defensive possession. I'd argue it's the most important part of defense. We've gotten killed for six games in a row. His response to that has done nothing, nothing, besides trying to play Wendell Carter a little bit more. Great idea, but we have guys on this roster that could help. How about you, you, you stopped, you know, Watching the Saturday afternoon special story about Ryan. I I love Ryan. I know he's a good guy too, but you know darn well, Mark. Be honest. Do you think he should be playing at the three? Do you think he should play in these many minutes when you got better answers there for rebounding? He's had one rebound in the last 40 minutes that he's played. That's a problem, a major issue that the it's the coach's fault. He's fallen in love with this guy and he's continually playing him. You can tell he's in love with them. It's a joke. Um so I do agree with you. There's a problem with his his decision making. He's a, he's a major issue here right now, no doubt about it. But I think it's more on the defensive side of the ball where he's the problem. Offensively, I haven't had that many problems with the team. They're just missing wide open jumpers tonight. Now again, Indiana, I didn't get to watch the game, and I will check it out. But I thought for the vast majority of other games that they lost, that's a big issue. Is our big players, especially marking, and aren't hitting shots. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly have less concerns with the offense than I do the defense. I mean, I'm still not happy with the way Larry Markkinen's being used. I still think he's being used more so as a glorified three-point shooter than anything else. 
I think the ball isn't moving around like it should be. I think the Bulls still don't understand that Wendell Carter is a face-up player. They're not using his ability as a shooter, or they're not forcing him to be a shooter. They're certainly not using him as a passer. That's probably his best skill aside from his uh, defensive ability. They're not even using Wendell Carter as a, an offensive player in terms of a passer. So I still have my concerns with the offense more broadly, but... To your point, it all starts with the defense. And, the, and coming back to what I sort of noted there in terms of the decision-making, the decision to uh, activate the defense, the, the defensive principles, uh, principles that he's put in place do not make sense for this basketball team. Wendell Carter Jr. is the Bulls' best defender, but having him blitz a pick and roll and having him sort of go out towards the three-point line, even though he can do that because he is that good defensively, what you are doing is you are taking your best rim protector away from the rim. The Bulls don't need that because inevitably there's going to be some breakdown somewhere and you're having Wendell Carter roaming along the perimeter asking him to run back and and protect the rim along with the three-point line. That's a tall order, but Carter can do that to an extent. But when you bring in someone like Luke Cornett, who is at best just a guy that can protect the rim and nothing more, when you're asking that big seven-footer to get out past the three-point line, blitz the pick and roll, double the pick and roll, like you said, like he's guarding Stephen Curry. At that point, Cornet is losing touch with his man who's just rolling to the rim. You're then asking Cornet to just go back go back towards the rim, pick up the guy he was sort of guarding and asking him to guard the perimeter player as well as the center, which is something he can't do because he's not quick enough, he's not athletic enough to do. So at that point, the rotation's are all over the place. The Bulls are losing contact with their their defensive assignments, and no wonder they're getting absolutely abused on the rebounding on, on the glass rather, because they're constantly rotating and mismatching and losing touch with their their assignments to the point where they're just getting abused on the board. So it, it's all connected. Everything on the basketball court is always connected. And it starts defensively. And the fact that Boylan is instituting this type of aggressive defensive style, which Stefan Noe, as you sort of pointed out before, articulated perfectly on his article on The Athletic. I don't know why he's doing this. I've said this on my show last week. I think the Bulls need to be more conservative with their defensive approach. They need to be playing a drop coverage, maybe not with Carter, but definitely if they're playing with Luke Cornett. I don't know why they're not doing that. Totally but agree. they're being so aggressive to the fact where it's causing just rotational issues all over the court. It's why they're not rebounding the ball, and it's why they can't get into their transition offense the way they want to because they can't get stops right now. Well, Cornett, the issue is also, and I've heard many people have argued with saying, oh, he was great at protecting the rim. He, whatever he did for the Knicks, he's been terrible at protecting the rim for the Bulls. He leads the league in flailing block attempts. I don't know how many times guys have scored on him at the rim. That was uh, my famous uh, tweet, uh, Luke, Luke Cornett is dead to me. After I can't remember what game it was, but somebody scored on him right at the rim, right before half. The guy does nothing good. At, he has done nothing good in the defensive end this year. He's been terrible. So, but my answer to that is I do understand the importance of protecting the paint. You have to have a guy there. I think we have a guy in the roster in Gafford. I think he is a great uh, defender of the, of the paint. I think that's what he can do. He can block shots. He can rebound. And you're not using him. You're just actively choosing just to, to go with another guy who's clearly his, his best skill is hitting threes and he's not doing it. Like That's what I find most frustrating about Boylan is I think there are answers on the roster he's refusing to go to for whatever reason. But everything, everything you stated there, I, I do agree with. Like, they their defense has been so bad at points. Anytime Wendell Carter is off the floor, I, I've just been mortified. And I and I, it's frustrating because the team is so frustrating because they do have some nice pieces defensively. I think Dunn is fantastic defensively, and he's had a lot of good points, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good moments this year. But he's you know 
he's so limited offensively and he's not even hitting the three now. It's, 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 it's just appalling. Like in one area, they, they're doing something right. And then it falls off. Like today they were at 50% from the free throw line out of the blue. They were shooting great before that today. They play Indiana and they shoot 50%. What, what is happening? Like there's always something that's falling off or something when you know, Porter's do, having a great night and then this guy's doing bad. And, you know, I think Porter out of Porter jr. To me, out of everything, out of all the players, has been the biggest disappointment because he's had one really good game. And you contrast that with how he was when he arrived from Washington. I think he's like almost the epitome. He's a microcosm of this team. Like everything you expected to happen has has the exact opposite has happened. You know, he, they've had one good game. That's how what Otto Porter Jr. has done. And uh, gosh, Mark, it's just so freaking disappointing. For a team that I really felt was talented enough to win 43 games. Man, it's not going to happen the way they're looking right now. Well, yeah, I don't want to lament on that because obviously we've just engaged in a season-long bet and I, I don't want to put the boots in just yet. So um, <laughs> I'll be nice to you on this night. But I think you raise a good point. I think beyond maybe that third quarter that Otto Porter had against the Detroit Pistons, he's been pretty bad all season. And maybe he's not catching as much heat because we're focusing our aim at Boyle and at Lowry and at, at Levine because they are the, the the figureheads of this organization, I guess. But yeah, I think you make you raise a good point because Otto Porter has just been just as bad. He's shooting thirty four percent, thirty five percent from the field, let's say thirty one percent from the three point line, non existent in this in, in, against the Pacers today. So he hasn't really been in form. I don't know if he's carrying an injury. Obviously, he rolled his ankle a little bit today against the Pacers, but he played on it. He finished the game, so it can't have been a too too bad of a, a roll or a sprain or anything like that. But clearly, he's not right for whatever reason. I, I don't understand why he can go looking like he did against the Pistons where he looked like he's back to the old Otto Porter that we saw last February to this version of, of Otto Porter. It, it makes no sense. And given the Bulls lack of wings on the roster, which again, we all knew was going to be a problem coming into this season, but it's been magnified even with Otto Porter in the roster because he has been bad and the Bulls just have no other alternative to turn to, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, there were a couple of notes I took before the game. I was looking at where the Bulls rank compared to the rest of the league. And to me, it, it's high, it just highlights it in one and two. They're, 40, they're the 29th in the NBA in field goal percentage at 41.5. They're 26th in three-point percentage at 31.2, and that was basically what a nice game by Porter the other day and Laurie kind of picking up a little bit, brought them out of the, you know, the dungeon. They're 29th in rebounds, 29th in rebounds, and they're 25th in blocks. So the top two could be addressed by adding a guy in the roster, bringing a guy up, Denzel Valentine, I think. And then the bottom two could be addressed by adding Daniel Gafford. I think there's guys on a roster that could help these major issues. And even even rebounding, because Valentine's a good rebounder for his position. But he doesn't even want to look at that. That's not even he's going to look at. And then they were top 15 in free throw percentage. They were 12th before today's game. And then they go they shoot 50% from the free throw line. Just, it's appalling. I, I don't even, it, there's just so many things that go wrong with this team. But I think it starts with those two. They're shooting. Uh, has been atrocious and and their and their defensive rebound the rebounding overall is just you can't win you just can't win when you shoot that bad and you're that poor at rebounding there's a lot of rebounds available to you and you're not you're not grabbing any of them it's i don't even know if you if you feel this way too mark but i'm like watching this team i really get angry cuz i feel like 
I just can't stand it. I just can't stand the team. Like, I, I there's nobody on the team that this year that I've really felt like, oh yeah. I'm, I, this, this my, besides Wendell Carter Jr., everybody else I feel has kind of played at like a half speed. You know, marketing too. I'm he's the guy I'm most dis- disappointed in. I really expected Levine to have an insane year, incredible year. He's been incredible disappointment to me, especially on the defensive end with all the talk about him getting better. That one of one guy told me once, always beware of the guys that are filming their workouts and and, and marketing it to the world. Um, one of my good friends once, I remember when I was growing up, he always had this, his dad had this saying that he said the guys who always talk about how hard they work are probably the guys that work the least. And and I don't know, I keep I kept on echoing in my head with Levine. I'm not saying Levine doesn't work hard; it's obviously works hard, but it always kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way when he'd be filming himself in the sand doing this stuff and hey every hey world look how hard i'm working it's not it's not translating results dude you know so yeah. let's i understand not- what you're saying but uh, look I, I don't i don't hold that much against him i don't care what he whether he doesn't film or, or does or doesn't film like as long as he brings it on the court i i don't care what he does or doesn't film like i said but it's the defensive stuff that bothers me you've already brought it up but that that defensive play that he had against the Cavs right at the end of the game where Colin Sexton jammed on Wendell Carter. That was just, that was one of the most egregious basketball plays I've seen in a long time from a player who wants to be an all-star player. I mean, Wendell Carter been, should have been so pissed off at Zach Levine at, at being put on a poster like that. I don't know what happened behind closed doors, but I'm hoping Wendell was pissed off at Zach Levine for that defensive effort because it was a, it was a goddamn sham. That was disgraceful. But I, I understand your general sentiment, I guess, but... I, I just, I'm just wondering how things change because, like I said, this was meant to be the the easiest part of the ball schedule. They have the, they have had the easiest schedule through seven games, and it doesn't necessarily get much easier from here on from here on next. So then they get the next game is Tuesday night against the Los Angeles Lakers. They've only dropped one game. The Lakers are looking pretty good at the moment with AD and LeBron. Then the the Bulls have the Hawks. The Rockets. They've got another game against the Knicks, with which who knows how that's going to go. But they've also got two upcoming games against the Bucks before the middle of November is even concluded. So the four of the next seven games are against the Lakers, the Houston Rockets, as well as the Milwaukee Bucks twice. So that's four tough games for the Bulls. Maybe the Atlanta Hawks game as well, if Trey Young is back by that point. You've also got the Knicks and Brooklyn's, uh, the Brooklyn Nets amongst that that seven game stretch as well. So. It's not going to get easier for the team, so I'm just wondering how this just changes. Because this was this is where they went to account for their wins. Because things are going to get tough tougher from here on out. But I, I don't know how this changes really. Well, it could change easily by just giving all of Ryan's minutes to either Valentine or Hutch, and giving all of Cornette's minutes to Daniel Gafford. That would be the correct decisions. But I have zero but faith. See, to me, they're they're minor moves. I, I I'm not disputing that those moves shouldn't be made. But their secondary moves, or they're, they're like, I, I don't know even if no, I don't even know if they're in top five in my issues or my priorities or things that need to change with this team. I, I don't disagree with you that those sort of changes need to be made. And Boylan has been making some adjustments. I mean, he's been putting Larry Market more in the second unit, like I've been asking him to do. But as we've sort of seen over the last few games, that Larry hasn't necessarily been closing games, which has been odd. But 
Yeah, he's he's making adjustments, but he, he the way he's using Markkinen and Carter is kind of weird at the moment. But I, I don't know what the real adjustment is apart from Larry Markkinen all of a sudden looking like the the Markkinen that we saw against Charlotte, or even Otto Porter looking like the February Otto Porter. So I'm wondering, can we even decipher if if this is a player issue, if they're just going through a rough stretch, or is it something Boylan's doing in terms of not getting these guys into the game? I think one of the issues is going to take care of itself, and that's with the shooting. Otto Porter Jr. is too good to suck like this all year. You already saw him, you know, quasi break out against Detroit. Now he took a massive step back today. But I think we're both probably in agreement. By the time the season is over, if he's healthy, he'll approach his career numbers, which which are significantly higher than where they are today. I also feel the same way about Laurie. I also feel the same way about. Sadoransky. I don't think Sadoransky is going to play this bad all year either. Shoot this bad. He's played okay outside of that. I think the bigger question we all have to start asking ourselves is about Zach Levine because he's clearly the guy who's kind of the alpha on this team, but he's never played for a winning team. And I've seen some things this year that have really, really bothered me. I go back to the Toronto game in the second quarter. The Bulls were up 35, or it was 36 33. There were five minutes left in that game. I encourage anybody to go back and watch those five minutes and just just watch Zach Levine for those five minutes. Blows a layup when it's 35-33. Ball comes back down. Toronto hits a three because Sadoransky overplays on a defense, makes a a horrific defensive decision. Uh, Tie game. Next time down, the the play that you just talked about, Mark, that happened at the end of the Cavs game, he did the exact same thing. He completely lost his man on an off-ball play where Laurie actually played great defense uh, on that play, and his his man had a dunk at the rim. That kind of off-ball defense has been horrific his all career, and it's not getting any, any better. And those are the kind of things that lead to losses. And I'm starting to lose faith quickly in Zach's ability to be a part of a team that's a, a, a winning, let alone a winning team, just above 500 especially a chal- a team that's challenging for a title. You know, if this continues down this road, he's the guy I would look at probably trying to move. And I and not just him or Lori, you know, you can't trade him now because their, their, their value is too low, but his contract is, is a bargain. I think a lot of teams would love to take a chance on him, but now I, I'm starting to have serious concerns whether or not he'll ever be a part of a winning team because a lot of the stuff he does on a defensive end, it just leads to losses. And it's starting to hit me by when I really start to get into my microscopic view of these games. What say you? Yeah, look, I, I'll be, I'd be lying if I hadn't thought or considered the same things. I, I'm not sure if I feel as strongly about it as you because I still think there's something within these players to to be had as a group. I, I, I don't necessarily think the ceiling of this team is ever going to be anything more than a second round team, but that's fine. I, I'm not under any, I, I don't have any expectations of this team being a title contender or, or anything like that. So if they were to max out as a second round team, which I think is certainly in play, I wouldn't be disappointed with that as such. But to me, it always comes back to I'm not ready to give up on these players just yet because I actually want to see these players function in a system that makes sense and makes sense of their with their actual talents. That isn't to say that Zach Levine doesn't deserve some um, some negativity based on certain things that he does, mostly on the defensive side of the ball, but even some of his decision-making on the offensive side of the ball. I think he's cost the Bulls maybe not the whole game, but certainly on possessions against the Hornets, against the Knicks, and maybe a couple other teams here and there. We talked about the defensive play he made against the Cavs or the, in, the, the, the lack of defense he played against the Cavs. But 
I keep coming back to the coaching and all, and not to again re re go over old grounds here, but at some point, if playoffs is going to be the the end goal, if that's what everyone's come on and and said on the record, that is what the goal of this team was for this upcoming season. Then at some point, accountability has to stop with either the head coach or either management. And at some point, that has to happen. I want to actually see these players functioning in a lineup in a system that makes complete sense. And until these diff- their defensive principles changes, then I don't know if we're going to get the best of these players right now to the point where I don't think it makes sense to be training any of the players. I think it's more of a coaching slash management issue. So that's what I wanted to close on this podcast uh, on this occasion, Fred, because I know in the past you have been a... Well, a loose supporter of Boylan, I'll say that, but definitely a supporter of management. But based on how things have started this season, the Bulls are two and five. It wasn't meant to be like this, and it doesn't necessarily look like it's going to be changing anytime soon, particularly if the defensive system that Boylan is so adamant in running remains the case. But at some point, do you not agree that this has to come back to the coach and the people that put the coach in place, which is obviously Garpax? I've, from the time they just made a, commitment to boil and i said this is their last tire i this should be their their last tire they've been here a very long time no one's been more supportive of john paxton than me but you've made your bed with this guy i mean you've you've made a commitment to him and you know this has been going on a long time i still feel like the bulls are robbed of a title I, we've talked about that ad nauseum with the with the injuries they had and i thought they've done a great job you know building the team over the course of 15 years 16 years but I mean, when you make a decision like this to commit to this guy, I don't think you should get another. Uh, this, hey, I'm going to pick another one. This, he's, we're going to fire Jim, and I'm going to decide to go with someone else. Because I, I just view Jim as an extension. And let, me, let me correct that. I will say one thing. If Paxson is willing to go down and coach the team, I would I would support that. But I'm not for either of these guys making another hire. If this doesn't work out and this blows up and this continues down this road, I'm 100% in agreement with Dog Bill Nation that we need to change. 100% in agreement. I don't feel, don't agree with the general assertion that this has been a train wreck or a mess. I think there's a lot of talent on this team. But for whatever reason, it's not working. And we got to figure out quickly what it is. You seem to think it's more the coach. I'm always a big believer. It's always more of the players. I do agree there's problems with the coach because he's got the wrong players in position a lot. But, um, you know, we, we still get down to it, Mark. I think you're in agreement, too. I hope so, that if, if if Larry and Otto were playing up to their ability, things would look a lot better right now. Would you concur? I, I definitely agree. And I, I think that's why everyone is mad right now, because everyone could see that the, there has been a talent upgrade on this roster. And I, I think everyone ex- had expectations, if not the Bulls being a playoff team, then one that could at least compete into March and April and could be pushing into that playoff picture, whether they make it or not. So I think every Bulls fan out there, we've found some sort of common ground or some unity in that aspect. I think we all see the talent that is on this roster, but it's not being applied for whatever reason. So maybe we're all taking but I think our your answer out is though, routes. But that's where, the pro- that's where the difference I think we both come to is in the road is that you feel the talent's not working and it's because of the coach where I counter, no, I think the talent's not working because Laurie Markinen has sucked for a large percentage of this year. I think Otto Porter Jr., I don't even recognize the guy. What he did today is, an, is, is a disgrace. 
And what he's done for a lot of these games, he's missed nothing but wide open jumpers. And and Sadoransky too. People seem to make a ton of excuses for that guy. He hasn't shot it nearly well enough. That's the to me the most important thing above everything else. He's a smart player. He does great. This makes great decisions. I think he had eight or nine assists today. I loved everything about him. You got to hit an open jumper, man. That's your that's that's very important. That's the most important thing about Thomas Sadoransky. Tomas Sadoransky is his ability to shoot. And when you're when you're shooting at the level these guys have, I don't think any coach Fleming. It's kind of funny when the offense is going well. That's all I ever heard about was Fleming. I haven't heard his name in the last week and a half. Nobody's nobody's talked about Fleming. You know, it's 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 a it's a combination of things. But I always err on the side of the players. And uh, no, I think we're in agreement overall. But more of the blame to me goes on some of these key players than than on Jim. I mean, yeah, I guess that's where we differ. When I ask myself why, why is this happening? I think it starts on defense. It starts with personnel and, and execution on defense. And ultimately, he is the do- designer of that, the coach that being. And that flows into every other aspect of the game. Like I said, the court is connected. Everything about basketball is connected. So when I ask myself why, I think that is probably the problem because I believe in this talent to the degree that even through shooting slumps, this team should be performing a lot better than what they are. But it is what it is. Like I said, they've got the Lakers coming up on Tuesday night the Hawks on Wednesday night, and then concluding the week, they've got the Houston Rockets at home. So not a t- uh, well, not an easy stretch of games coming up here. Who knows how the Bulls sort of go through this. But, uh, yeah, Can I ask you a rough. quick question, Mark? I've been wanting to ask you this. Just sure. give me one minute here on this. I want you. To, I want to run through the teams again, the schedule. I want you to be honest with me. After watching the game, do you feel the Bulls are better? Do the Bulls win 6 out of 10 against this team? Charlotte. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Fred, I'm, I'm prepared to say that you, if you're going to run through the list of all the games they've played thus far, I think the only game that they should have lost is probably the, the one that they did lose, lose to the Raptors. Toronto. I think every single game other than that, the Bulls should have probably won. They should have entered that game as favorites. So if you're going to yep. go through that list and say, does, does this team have more talent than that team? Should that have been a W? Then I'm more than happy to say, yes, that should have been the case because for the first time in a long time, I believe in this talent. And I think this team could have been, if not six and one after seven games, then maybe five and two or something like that. Even, even worse yet, four and three, but two and five. So yeah, I think, sorry to cut you off there, but I, I think I, I, I saw where you were going with that. And I think we can all agree that this team should be a lot better than what they are. And we all believe they're more talented than who they've been playing against. Then let's look ahead for the next two weeks, the Lakers. There has to be a loss based on the way they're playing. That's a loss. At Atlanta. Well, I mean, that's dependent on Trey Young. And, and obviously, he's been out, he's out. with the, the ankle issue. Yeah, but if out. he's back, then that could be a 50-50. But if he is out, then I would hope that the Bulls could win this game, given that the Hawks virtually have no backup point guard on their roster. So I'm going to tentatively say that's a W, but I could easily see that being a, a, a loss as well. Houston at home. Houston just got absolutely destroyed by Jimmy Butler and the Heat, which I was glad to see, but I can't see the Bulls beating the Houston Rockets. It's a loss, exactly. Knicks at home, they should win. They should win. At Milwaukee, it's a loss. Yes. And that's home. I think they should win. So we got three wins and three losses in the next six games. Like, if they do not go, I'm, I'm going to say this right now, if I was Jerry Reinsdorf, if they do not go three and three or better in the next six games, I'd fire everybody. Well, I mean, that, that, that's fair enough. And after that Nets game, which he stopped at, they got the Bucks again. So the next seven games are going to be season-defining almost. It's kind of silly to say that given that we're so early in the season. But if the Bulls can't come out of the next seven games with 
at least a 500 record or, or, or winning record, let's say. If they can't come out of that with a 4-3 and three record, then this season is probably already in down the toilet given how how bad or how tough the, the March and April and February schedule the Bulls have to close out this season. That's going to be really tough. So I think, yeah, they have to win Fred. They have to, they have to turn around quickly. I don't know if that's ha- going to happen, but the next com- the next two weeks of Bulls basketball is going to define their upcoming season. But I-, I think we should leave it there, mate, because there's a lot of questions that remain open. We'll see if the team can answer them throughout the next coming weeks. But I appreciate you jumping on and giving me your honest thoughts as you always do. Uh, thank you for doing that, but tell the people where they can follow you online in the rare chance they have, they don't know where to catch all your stuff. Oh, of course. Uh, ChicagoBullseye.com. You can also find Chicago Bullseye on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at CBEFred, as in Chicago Bullseye Fred, and, and Chicago Bullseye at Gmail can email me. I'm sorry to be such a downer today, but I, I, I'm just furious about today's game. And then I lost to the Pacers, which they should have absolutely won. And, uh, you know, I, I will be positive again if I see reasons for it. I haven't seen anything to be positive about for the most part. So, I'm going to continue to be like this. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a dumbass. I'm not a guy who's just going to smile and, and cheer if things aren't going well. That's not the way I've always, I've always believed in this organ in the, in the front office, but this is a disaster. What we've seen this year. And this is as bad as I, I see reminiscent. It's reminiscent of 08, the 07, 08 season in which the bulls ended up getting Derek Rose as a result of that, but there were high expectations for that team and they just fell flat on their face. And I haven't seen anything like that since this since this this year. And let's hope it ends better than that. No, I mean, that's fine, Fred. I mean, you don't, you don't have to apologize at all. I mean, like I said, you summed up the sentiment of the fan base. And if someone like you, arguably the most dedicated Bulls fan out there, is feeling this way, then I think it's just a, an interesting pulse sort of a pulse check on the broader fan base and how we're all largely feeling at the moment. So if you're down like this, then I can only imagine how everyone else is feeling. So thank you for jumping on, mate. I always appreciate having you on. Hopefully next time you're on, we're, uh, we're a little bit more positive. Sounds good, brother. All right, Bulls fans. So that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for tuning in. Apologies for it being somewhat of a negative show, but like Fred sort of articulated throughout the podcast, that is the the tenor of the fan base at the moment, and that's the way it should be based on how things have unfolded. We should all be upset because we all had higher expectations of this team going forward. But hopefully next time we talk, we're talking about a W. But until then, you can follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. Follow the show on Twitter as well, at BullsHQPod. Send me an email, or if you want to be part of the Discord channel, hit me up on email, bullshqpod at gmail.com. But like I said, hopefully we're talking about a win at some point during the rest of this week. But appreciate you tuning in as always. Thank you for doing so. And we'll speak soon, Bulls fans. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. 
Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.